Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to Roll the Quadcast, a Blogger So Dear podcast where little old Charlie Brown is still trying to kick that football. Blogger So Dear is the go-to website for the best independent analysis of Wake Forest athletics. Hello and welcome to another edition of Roll the Quadcast. My name, as always, is Riley Johnston, and I am joined here by my co-host Robert Reinhardt. Rob, how is it going for you today? It is going well down here in Winston-Salem. I think we got a lot of interesting things to talk about. We got a great guest, so I think this is going to be a great episode. Yeah, I know you are moving in this weekend, getting uh, some things sorted out in Winston, but uh, we've got quite the episode for you guys tonight. Uh, we actually have former walk-on Bobby Hoekstra. Uh, he will be joining the show here in a few minutes to discuss some Skip Prosser, um, get his thoughts on the Dinos Mitoglou news, and uh, just get some general uh, discussion about Wake Forest basketball going on. So we'll have him on in about probably five to ten minutes here. Um, but, Rob, let, let's start with the Dinos Mitoglou news. We were originally going to do our standard uh, – previews of the football season that we've been working our way through the schedules, but some different news came up with uh, Dinos Mitoglou unexpectedly joining the Greek champions, and just bear with me, it's a Greek team name, I'm going to do my best, Panathinaikos, uh, they are the reigning Greek league champions, and he signed yesterday a deal worth over $2 million for four years. Rob, did this catch you by surprise, and what does this mean overall for Wake Forest basketball as we head into the 2017-2018 season? Well, I would say it definitely caught me surprised. We heard that initial report several days ago where it was saying the deal was pretty much done or that Dinos was going to be going out there and, and playing professionally in Greece starting this year. Uh, but then Les Johns of Scout.com and does an outstanding job for covering Wake Forest, um, talked to the Wake Forest basketball coaching staff, and through those communications, multiple communications, uh, everything we were led to believe was that report was uh, pretty false. Um, and that Dinos would be coming back to play his senior season for the Demon Deacons. But um, whatever, whatever happened, happened. And, and now it's, it's a done deal that he is, he is going to play uh, uh, for, the, for the team you mentioned in Greece. So, you know, it's, it's very difficult. And, and unfortunately, the timing of this is terrible. The season's just three and a half months away. Um, has been a starter the past few seasons, was expected to play 20, 25 minutes a game for us. And uh, he's a guy who's a, a stretch four for us, has the ability to, to knock down the perimeter shot, but also post up and, and take advantage of mismatches on the interior. So a, a big-time loss, especially at this point in, in the calendar year, and uh, going to be difficult to see how we, how we replace him uh, for this upcoming season. What are your thoughts? Yeah, and the the problem isn't that he is joining the team. This is exactly what we want to do with players at Wake Forest. You know, we want them to come in. If they're successful, we want them to go professional. If that's the NBA, great. If that's the Greek League, for, for Dinos, that, that's perfect because he's from Greece. He can go back there, and God knows the dollar stretches farther in Greece than it does here. So that $2 million, which – I believe European contracts are without or before or uh, after taxes, so they do pre-tax um, income here, but over there, they, he's making actually a lot more than what it sounds like, um, and, and Greece obviously is going through some hard times, so uh, he's going to make a good living, and, and that's what you want players to do who come through your program, but, but it does come at a really, really tough time for us. Uh, as you said on Wednesday, it was reported that he was staying. He told the staff he was coming back. We had uh, uh, multiple sources that are close to him who, who said the same thing. They, they were fully surprised by even the question that we were bringing up, and then by, by Friday, he, we, we heard that he was signing and yesterday um he that came out of greece today he posted it on his facebook or his twitter and his instagram he's gone 
Um, you know, anytime you lose a two-and-a-half to three-year starter, that's going to hurt the team chemistry, but especially given the losses of John Collins already and the fact that we don't have a proven four, much less a stretch four on the roster, uh, that really hurts us, especially for this year where we had a razor-thin margin already if we wanted to get back to the NCAA tournament. Uh, Rob, do you think that this is, uh, uh, I guess, the straw that might break the camel's back as far as uh, putting us over the hump, or you think it's too early to tell, or what are your initial, I guess, thoughts? Can we make the tournament again without him, or do we need somebody big to step up or another addition of the team? Yeah, it's going to be really tough to see us making the NCAA tournament if we don't make any additional changes, barring a tremendous improvement from somebody like a Doral Moore, uh, Sam Matthias, or Olivier Soler to, um, you know, play better than I think he will in year one, or a surprise from somebody like uh, a Melo Eggleston or a, a Donovan Mitchell. So that said, there are still three and a half months left until the season, and Danny Manning has been very good at roster management. And I would not be surprised to still see us go after some grad transfers. If, if you'll recall, I mean, he got Dinos pretty late in the game, when Dinos originally committed, he got him in, in around July or so. So Manning, and he knows he's had an open scholarship to work with. I assume he's still been trying to get some players to come in for the upcoming season. So I think if, if we get somebody else at a, at a grad transfer level, um, then I think our front, our backcourt is good enough and our schedule is a little bit easy enough and the ACC is a little bit down. We can still get back into the tournament. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, and I was going to go a little bit into the same timing-wise as what you talked about. We signed Dino Smitoglou very late three years ago in 2014. It was right around this time. So it, it's not we're not dead in the water yet with regards to what we can do with the roster. We already had an open scholarship. We're currently sitting in 11 scholarships. Um, we actually we lost the second one, obviously, when Dino uh, went pro. But we still got two that we can put out there. I think it's probably too late to get an enrollee for the 2017 class. And at this point, I'm not not sure you want to tie up the, the scholarship for four, three or four years with somebody who you're not sure um, or wasn't quote-unquote worth it up to this point. So I think the grad transfer route is exactly where we want to go. Um, you mentioned Jack Whitman out of William & Mary. We, we've talked about him a fair amount. We wrote an article and he would have been a good pickup even before the Collins Mid-A-Glue situation. So now he, we really need him. He, uh, he left Kansas a few weeks ago after um, I don't know. There's speculation whether or not they were going after Marvin Bagley who is reclassified or in the process of reclassifying to the 2017 class um but whatever happened he's no longer there and he would be a great fit um we also have terrence thompson from marshall he's 6 7 210 215 and news just came out that he's graduating and immediately eligible he's got very good rebounding rates he's not a stretch for by uh any stretch of the imagination if you will as he only attempted 24 threes yeah, exactly. I every once in a while I get I get a good uh, zinger in there. So he he went seven out of twenty four from threes, twenty nine percent. He won't stretch the defense, but he's a guy that could come in and uh, yeah, he would start immediately at the four. Uh, and he's definitely a guy that we we would need to go after. Uh, I I think if we don't land somebody else, unless we have a uh, John Collins-esque improvement from Donovan Mitchell, which is not reasonable to expect for really anybody, um, or Mel- Melo Eggleston comes in immediately and-, and impacts the game in a very positive manner, then it's going to be tough to make the tournament again, even with the uh, the non-conference schedule and, and the favorable ACC schedule. Uh, what we're going to have to do is go small just by by – proxy we're going to have to get somebody in there a lot of people have talked about maybe sean d brown playing at the four but we, we can't throw a six four six five guy out there uh, night in and night out uh in the acc and expect to be successful uh that might work against some of the non-conference opponents that we're playing but i, I don't think that's a feasible way to make the ncaa tournament uh, in the acc so we'll kind of see how that goes um Obviously not great timing. We, I'm very happy for Dinos Mitoglou. He came in. He, he did very well as a freshman. Uh, we asked him to take on a bit of a different role as a sophomore and as a junior playing inside. But he had that game against LSU last year where he really lit up the three-pointers. Struggled a little uh, outside of that. But 
you know, once you make a have a game where you make seven, eight threes, it doesn't really matter if you're going to shoot 40, 45% each game. The opponent knows you can make it, and that can change uh, the defensive strategy immensely, especially when you have a guy like John Collins complimenting you inside there. Um, so we'll kind of we'll monitor this situation as it goes on. I wouldn't count us out of Whitman or Thompson yet, but uh, we got an uphill climb to get back to the NCAA tournament again, and it's just, it's just, it's kind of unfortunate. Uh, it seems like these kind of things happen to Wake Forest at a higher clip than any other team. So, um, like I said, we'll see. But let's go ahead and turn our uh, turn our thoughts to uh, Bobby Hoekstra here. We have a special guest and. Most people who listen to this show probably are aware of Bobby Hoekstra. He's very um, prevalent on the social media. He is from Cincinnati originally, but he went to Forsyth Country Day School in Winston-Salem before enrolling at Wake Forest, and he was a non-scholarship player who finished his Wake Forest career as a four-year letter winner. Um, Let's go ahead and bring him on here, see if we can get him in. Bobby, are you there? If so, how are you doing? Hey, guys. Doing well. How are you? Cannot complain. It is a Sunday, and we've uh, we've got a, a a demon deacon legend of sorts. Uh, how how's life going up uh, up in the north there? It's going good. Uh, summertime Cleveland is lovely. Um, you know, we got a first place baseball team right now, and um, I'm knee deep in wedding planning. So a lot of exciting things going on. Yeah, so for those of you who don't know or don't follow a social media account, uh, Bobby will actually get, be getting married next month. So, uh, barring any uh, changes of heart from Bobby, uh, <laughs> I believe everything should go smoothly. So, so congratulations on that, and uh, we uh, we want to extend our uh, our congrats on that. Are, are you ready for it? Is everything going well, or uh, you got some some work left to do on it? I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it to be here. <laughs> Perfect. Hey, I know we said uh, pre pre show that as long as you've got uh, got the two people there, the pastor, the friends, and the open bar, then everything's gonna flow smoothly from there. That's right. Focus on the big stuff. Can't get lost in the details. Exactly. So uh, we brush on. I, I know you were listening in a little bit, um, and I know you kind of keep your your thumb on the pulse of Wake Forest sports and particularly Wake Forest basketball. When you heard the news about Dinos Mitoglou yesterday that uh, he would be joining the Greek reigning champions and would not be finishing out his career at Wake Forest, what what were your thoughts on that, and uh, how do you think that's going to impact us for this year? Yeah, it was a uh, pretty roller coaster day following that along on social media like hearing he was gone then he's not and he's coming back and then he's gone so um, not exactly what you expect but I think you know for him first and foremost if you have an opportunity to go and make some money and that's what's best for you you should absolutely do it so um, you know I think you got to support the move there that said um, the timing and communication of it is a little perplexing so you know we're sitting here as almost August now and we have an open scholarship and there's not a lot of opportunities to fill that. Yeah. And I know, I I believe basketball practice, I don't know how, um, when it started, uh, I guess 10 years ago or seven years ago, but when uh, we're getting in on practices here, I think it starts maybe in two or three weeks. So what does, uh, I know the staff is always out there recruiting, but if they can't find another, uh, a big man, you know, Jack Whitman or Terrence Thompson, um, you're going with 11 scholarship players and you can kind of speak on this firsthand. When you have less than a full scholarship um, allotment on your team, how does that impact overall, not just in games, but how does that impact the practices as well? It varies. I think, you know, we had some years where we had the full 13 and some, I think one year we had 10 scholarship guys. I think it it really depends how those scholarships are made up. Like, you know, generally your 10th, 11 scholarship players maybe aren't playing that much anyways. You know, Dinos is an impact player for us. So, you know, it's not just a scholarship. It's also a guy who's a potential starter for us and uh, not really a player. We have anyone else like him. So it's going to be tough to, you know, replace his three-point shooting, have someone who spaces the floor like he does as a big man. Um, you know, it's just hard to find. So just to, you know, take that off of your team pretty suddenly, uh, it's going to be tough to replace. But, you know, I think coaches will just have to get creative. Other guys will have to step up and fill fill that role. You know, they'll get creative with the actions they run, maybe some more creative lineups, do some small balls, since it's going to be tough to play two bigs clogging the paint at all times. Um, but they can figure things out, but it puts them in a tough spot. 
Yeah, and do, do you think – I guess against non-conference teams, it wouldn't be a big problem to have either Sean D. Brown or, you know, even Richard Washington play some minutes of the four. They're 6'4", six, 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. Do you think against ACC teams, especially – the ACC may be a little down this year, but uh, do you think uh, we can have a successful ACC season if we're playing a 6'5 guy consistently at the four and getting 25 to 30 minutes? Or do we need to have, I mean, I guess a 6'8-plus guy in there getting the majority of those minutes – do you think we could manage to still make the NCAA tournament if we're running small ball throughout the entire season? Um, that's a good question. I think, uh, you know, a lot of it's going to depend on matchups. And then, you know, I think a lot of it depends on the development of Doral or SJM. Cause like if those guys can pick up more of a load rebounding. Maybe you can get away with a smaller guy. Um, or if another team going with two big guys and you can play them both. Uh, it just depends. I think, you know, again, it's tough. We'll see what we get, but, who knows? Yeah, it's just not ideal timing. And you, it, we seem to be one year away from having the positionless basketball team that Danny Manning kind of striving for, where we've got four or five interchangeable guys all in that six, five, six, eight mold that can play the two, three, and four. And, uh, I mean, we, we might just be forced into it a year early um, based on the departures of Collins and Mittaglue. Um But we still got some time left here, I guess, in the off season to maybe – shoe up that position if we can get a grad transfer but um obviously not great timing but congratulations to dinos and it's a it's a great testament to the coaching staff to have john collins go pro in the nba and dinos mitiglu go pro in his home country that's something you can point to and say hey I, I look at what i did with these guys so that that's obviously very good um so let's. The reason we brought you on here is obviously we had the 10 year uh, anniversary of Skip Prosser's untimely death and uh Obviously, that brings up a lot of emotion for a lot of Wake Forest fans. But, you know, you played, I believe, your first two years at Wake Forest under him. Um, can you just talk about the the man that Skip Prosser was and how you first came to know him? Obviously, you're a walk-on. I don't know if you're a preferred walk-on or it was a year-to-year process, but how did you meet him? How did you determine that you were going to be a walk-on? And what were your first impressions of Skip Prosser as a human being and as a coach? Yeah, so um, I think just first off, you look at Coach B, and he's just, you know, high-character guy, you know, does everything the right way, um, incredible leader. I mean, you know, not, it, in a coaching profession, you know, there's not a guy out there that has one bad thing to say out of him, which is incredible. Um, so, you know, he's a really special guy. Um, I think he's one where he kind of just – he commands respect at all times, and, um, you know, he's just one, someone you're going to listen to and follow. Um so for me, when I first met Coach P, my senior year of high school at Forsyth, um, I kind of knew I wanted to go to Wake academically, had a good basketball season, and my assistant coach there knew the Wake staff. So we just took a trip down to Wake one day. He introduced me to Coach P. Um, you know, and again, you hear all the stories about how Coach can will talk to anyone and remember their names. And I go in there, I'm just some high school kid, obviously not a big recruit or a scholarship guy or anything, and you know, he talked to me, shook my hand, said he'd be looking out for me, and uh, you know, went from there. So, uh, and then I, you know, freshman year I had open tryouts and made the team that way. Uh, but yeah, I mean, special guy. Um, again, just I think high character is the ultimate way you can describe him. Yeah, and that that's the thing that really strikes. I think every Wake fan certainly, but when you look right after he passed away, you saw all the comments and the outpouring from uh, not just guys like Chris Mack, Bob Huggins, guys that you know knew him, may, may might have been on his coaching staff or were direct rivals, but just everybody. There was not a single bad word uh, to, to be said about him, and I think that's what really struck at the core of the basketball community when a guy like Skip Prosser um, passed away such in a untimely manner, where you know he was he's too young. He's, you're not expecting it. Um, what to, to make things a little lighter? You know, he was obviously famous for being an extremely intelligent and witty man. He had a lot of favorite sayings, and I know since you were there for I think two years under him, what what were some sayings that he had that you know really stuck with you that either made you laugh or, or um, you know if he was getting on you? What what was your favorite saying that he would uh, frequently uh, get out there? Uh, I mean, there's so many. You know, if we talk about you know, all the processisms and the things that you can quote and, you know, there's things like that still say them or think of them every day, like whether it's never delay gratitude or ABC with academics, basketball character, um, you know, all the different things he quotes, like 
just really special stuff. But as far as the funnier ones, I think my favorites were usually when he would yell at Harvey Hale and uh, explain to him that we weren't playing a bunch of uh, Indians on the reservation in New Mexico anymore. <laughs> Those ones are usually pretty good. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's... <laughs> then uh, the other one, uh, my favorite, we were talking about, like, I think it was like going into the road and talking or playing on the road and how like teams get nervous. And he's like, they're going to, he's like, they're going to be, uh, they're going to be tight as a crab's ass. And he looks at Charmaine Dukes. He's like, how tight's a crab's ass, Joe? And Joe's just like, uh, tight. And he's like, water tight, Joe. Water tight. <laughs> Yeah, he's a, he he definitely had some really funny ones, and I always enjoyed the story where he when he was young. I think his dad might have said this, but he frequently said this when uh, he was asked. You know, you lost a tough one, and they say you can't win them all. And uh, it, I believe his dad said that, that's not in the, that's not in the rule book anywhere, Skip. You you can win them all. You know, it doesn't say anywhere that you can't win them all. Uh, I always like that because it, it kind of embraced the mentality that Skip Prosser tried to bring to Wake Forest. He didn't see it as a little old Wake Forest. I, I know that he disliked that mentality because he thought we could compete with anybody anywhere at any time, and that he kind of changed the Wake Forest culture at that point. And even though Skip, uh, him, Duncan had been here, Randolph Childress, obviously we were very good under Dave Odom, uh, we, we turned the turned the corner with Skip Prosser because he, he brought us to number one for the first time in school history, and he, he knew that we could win national championships and compete on a national level. Um, did, did you get that sense from how it kind of changed during the time that you were in high school at Forsyth Country Day and the time that you moved uh, to be an actual player at Wake Forest, how he changed the perception of Wake Forest basketball in ACC and nationally? Absolutely. Um, I'm glad you brought that one up. That's one of my favorites, too. The uh, you can't win them all, and he responds, doesn't say that in the rule book. Um, but definitely, you know, he was a hyper-competitive guy, like, absolutely hated to lose like anytime we lost the game we knew we were getting our ass kicked in practice the next day um and that really like he instilled that in all of us i think you go ask any of the guys that have played for him guys i played with and they'll all tell you like we hate losing more than we like winning and you know that drive comes from him and especially you know we're not little old weight forest we're up there on the same tier with duke and carolina i know when he recruited guys He's like, you're not coming here just to play in the ACC, to play in the, play against the Duke in Carolina. Like, you're coming here to beat those guys. Like, that's what we do. Um, so, I, I think he definitely turned the corner. I think he saw, you know, from when he got there, you know, whether it was with Josh Howard or Chris or starting Tie-Dye Nation, like, we became a program that those guys didn't like playing, and we, you know, beat those teams on a semi-consistent basis, too. Yeah, there, there are just so many different ones. I'm kind of in looking up some of these. I, I wrote down some of the funnier sayings that I had. Um, but when asked about Carolina's talent level, they're like Noah's Ark. They have two of everything. Um, obviously, the never delay gratitude. He, he was a very intelligent man on, on the team's defense. Well, we weren't exactly the Russians of Stalingrad. That, that's not that's not a line that a lot of coaches would would even bring up. Uh, especially to college students who, even at Wake Forest, may not exactly know what the, the history behind that is. So I, I think I always enjoyed, even though I was, I believe, 15, 16 at the time when he passed away, he, he always came across as very witty, and we would always stay after the game and listen to the hoops room because we had to hear Skip Prosser talk and listen to what he had to say because he was so funny, win or lose. He was just a guy you wanted to you wanted to laugh about, and he, he was our guy. He was our coach. So win or lose, he, he, he was the guy that we wanted to be with. So um, let's kind of talk a little bit about, and I know this might be uh, somewhat sentimental or a little bit sensitive, but what can you go through a little bit what the time immediately after Coach Prosser's uh, death was like for the team, maybe how you found out what, how the team coped and how they moved forward? Forward. Yeah, um, you know, obviously it's a really tough situation. Um, I think as far as coping and how we move forward, you know, we stuck together. You know, we have a lot of special people, you know, whether it's our the guys on our team, our coaches, but also the support staff and former players. Um, you know, everyone stuck together. You know, we were there for each other. It was, yeah, it was really tough, but, you know, Everyone, like, I remember the day it happened, Jane Caldwell, the academic advisor, had us all over to her house and just making sure everyone was okay, make sure everyone was safe. 
Chris Paul flew back that night. He had us over. We played basketball with him the next day, and he t- takes us to lunch. Like, just really incredible people. Um, and it's a testament to Coach Prosser that he put all those people in place. Um, I think what helps is that we were all there together, and we all stuck together. So, you know, we um, we talked about how, you know, taking this incredible tragedy and turning it into a triumph and, you know, using basketball and using all the lessons and things that Coach Prosser talked to us and living those out and using that as a way to honor his legacy. Um, that's kind of how we got through it. Uh, but, again, yeah, it was obviously very tough at that time, but just it was good that we had special people and we were all together. Yeah, I mean, no matter – how close you are with everybody there that obviously helped it's just an, an immensely tough time to, to go through and so when that happened obviously you're not thinking about basketball but as it turned out the next head coach was already on the staff and Dino Gaudio obviously hindsight 2020 with regards to what happened the next three years and afterwards but at the time did, did the guys want uh, coach Gaudio to become the head coach were they vouching for it or did they did they have an overall opinion or what 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 was that like where you found out he was going to be the next coach instead of somebody else coming in. Yeah, that's what we all wanted. Um, we actually did have a group of guys that went in and talked to uh, Ron Wellman about it. But at that point, like, we had to keep our group together. Like, we needed Coach Gaudio. We needed Coach Battle. We needed Coach Muse. We needed Coach Kelsey. Like, we couldn't – I it would have been – I couldn't imagine trying to make a transition with another coach after going through that. Like, you know, we wanted to stick together. We wanted to play for Coach Crosser and – yeah, we just – we had to keep that group together. Yeah, and at that point, I know a lot of people talk about, well, you want to keep the recruiting class together because he had a really good one coming in with Farouk Aminu and Ty Walker and Tony Wood. But at that point, you're not really thinking about that. You're thinking about a bunch of guys who just lost their mentor and how you can best help these 18- to 22-year-olds do that. So um, it, it's interesting to hear that. I I never knew how the, the team actually felt about that, but it makes sense that they would want to continue to keep it as a cohesive unit and have Gaudio, Coach Gaudio come in and do it. Um, the next year, I believe, if I'm not incorrect, you actually received the inaugural Skip Prosser Award, which goes to the player who best represents the values and virtues displayed by Coach Prosser, including integrity, character, trustworthiness, and an emphasis on academics. What did it mean to you to be the inaugural winner of that, and uh, how did uh, knowing Coach Prosser help make you into the person that you are today? Yeah, so, um, I mean, that that award means – a ton to me. Um, I still got it hanging on my wall. Very proud of it. I'm not somebody that's really won a lot of awards ever. Um, and that one's really special. Uh, just, you know, you look at a guy like Coach Prosser and all the things we've said about him, like high character, you know, great leader, competitor, um, you know, focused on academics. He's a smart guy. He's a funny guy, just really awesome human being. And so to get an award that says I may have, you know, even just a fraction of the virtues that he does. Um, I just think that's awesome. Uh. <laughs> yeah, and that's a, that's a really – that's a cool thing to to have. I mean, no, no matter – obviously, you know, you are a walk-on. You're very good at basketball, but it, when it comes to ACC basketball, it, it's hard to play consistently. And that kind of transitions into my next question here. Um I don't know how many points you actually scored. I believe your first points were against uh, Charleston Southern as a freshman. But what is your favorite moment when you got into the game over your four years? And what was your uh, – whether it was a favorite play or what sticks out to you when you're actually on the court playing? Um, so I, have, I have six career points, and you're right on the first one. Um, okay. I think when we get – Six more than us. Yeah. So when yes. we get out there um, – it's weird because, like, you know, you've been sitting on the bench for two hours and you go in and play. Uh, so it's a little tough to get loose and get going. Um, but mostly, you know, you're excited to be out there and you want to you do something. You want to show everyone that even though we're walk-ons, we can play too. Um, right. I think the, the most special thing is always, uh, you know, I think generally a lot of people don't see all the work we put in in practice and everything we do to help make our guys better. I think when we finally get into play, um, you look over at the bench and you always see them cheering us on. And that, you know, it kind of lets you know that they appreciate the work you put in. Um, and it's really fun if, you know, if one of us scores to see them go crazy. I know every time, every time I score, you look over at the bench and they're all yelling and waving towels. I know Mike Lepore, when he hit his one three pointer, he still has a picture of the bench and you see like, I think Harvey's jumping like 
five feet off the ground. Yeah. <laughs> yep. yelling, and um, that's always a lot of fun just to see that. That's kind of what stands out to me. Yeah, I think just as a not impartial observer, because obviously I'm a huge Wake Forest fan, but overall with walk-ons, I don't think people understand the work and the dedication that walk-ons put in, especially at a school like Wake Forest, where I don't know if you got any athletic or academic uh, assistance as far as financial aid, but that that's a really big commitment to, to spend fifty, sixty, going up to $65,000 a year, and you're basically doing the exact same things that the scholarship players are doing, but you're doing it on either the entire money that your parents are paying out, or you're taking loans out, or you're getting a little bit of assistance. I don't think people understand how uh, how, how much work goes into it from walk-ons, and that helps separate good teams from great teams because you need practice players. You don't you don't always have ten guys out there that are going to be scholarship players. So if you have good walk-ons, uh, you know, like just thinking back over the years, Brooks Godwin obviously was good. Ryan Keenan was good. You were very good. There are a ton of good players that you know if you needed an extra body in practice, they they could get in there. So I, I think a lot of people don't know the the commitment, and you know we really appreciate that too i'm 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 five eight one thirty so i appreciate seeing uh a guy like you who is obviously a lot bigger than even me get in there and uh show that you can score against some of these uh taller bigger more athletic players i think that's awesome so uh that's uh it's always fun to hear the crowd uh cheer that on uh so you were at wake during a lot of different uh very good players and but and obviously two different coaches what was once you got onto the court or into the next two seasons what was the biggest change playing under coach Gaudio versus playing under coach Prosser? Yeah, I think uh, the biggest thing, you know, coach Prosser was always want to play fast. We want to score. Um, we want to get up and down the court. And then when coach Gaudio came on board, you know, I think generally we still ran a lot of the same actions. We still wanted to push the ball, but the new emphasis was defense. Um, you know, you guys saw, we changed to the, uh, the pack line defense, which was a little different. Um, but uh, and then like I swear every after every game we'd walk into film and we'd have the Ken Palm defensive ratings there to see where we ranked and you know we went from you know we played hard on defense we just it wasn't the focus we wanted to get steals run and score and now it was more takeaway threes and layups um, you know so our efficiency went way up there's just a different style of play though yeah and as uh, Rob and I are both very big Ken Palm fans we. Uh, <laughs> We we push that very frequently, so we 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 like to uh, we like to hear that the players actually talk about that as well, and uh, that you know we actually utilize that. And obviously the the defense went up under uh, Coach Gaudio. The rankings went up, and uh, it wasn't that Co- I don't think Coach Prosser didn't stress defense. It was just a different commitment and doing different things. Obviously, when you have very athletic players, uh, and we had a lot of very athletic players, it, it immediately makes defense a little bit easier. But the pack line defense also helps that out. If you're um, sagging off, you're letting you're kind of packing it in. You're not getting easy shots. So uh, that's that's awesome to hear. We we like to hear that and a lot of people say you know they don't they don't ever look at that stuff they don't look at stats they're all about the eye test and i've said for a while you know players and coaches definitely look at that stuff and if they're not looking at it then they're, they're missing out a really really big part of yeah exactly they're, they're missing out on something that can make the team team a lot better so um i'm glad you touched on that and that, that's really good to hear um a couple more questions here I, obviously danny manning came in a few years ago um have you had any contact with him? Has he reached out to uh, alums of Wake Forest basketball? Um, if so, what's that been like? And what are your overall thoughts on the program and Danny Manning as a head coach? Yeah, so I've um, I've met Coach Manning a couple times. Um, you know, he's a stand-up guy. I think they've done a really good job since he's gotten there of getting the alumni involved again. Um, so, you know, the last few years now, they've done the alumni weekend. Um, you know, he had Coach Manning will send us emails with updates on the team. Uh, Mrs. Heflin, the the admin, she'll send us a monthly newsletter. Um, so they do a really good job of keeping keeping everyone involved. Where that used to there used to not be much uh, once you kind of graduate and move on. So that's been exciting. It's cool to you know still feel part of the program. And Coach Manning always says like you're always welcome. Come see practice. Come to games. You know we want you guys around the program. So that's really cool. Um, as him as a coach, you know, he, he has an incredible track record um, in terms of developing big men. And, you know, obviously his NBA career was outstanding. So uh, we've, uh, we've already seen the benefits of that in recruiting. You know, he's 
brought in some some high level guys and they've also had some really good scouting finds where maybe they wasn't the most heralded prospect and they've come and developed a lot of John Collins or some other guys. So uh, I think he's doing a great job there. Uh, it's been exciting to see, and you know, even just to get back to the tournament last year, you see what he's doing is working to an extent. Um, so I think it's you know things are on the way up. Yeah, that's, that's good to hear. I'm glad that uh, the alumni have become more involved, and you know, we had that three to four year gap in the late early 2010 with uh the name redacted era that i don't i don't know what happened it's just not it's not in the record book at all so i mean you know it's good that we uh we have a basketball team for four years yeah i mean kids will ask us uh, and say what happened in those four years why didn't we field a team and i'll just tell them i don't know i don't remember but um Exactly. Um, my final question is kind of a two-part question. Two-part question. First of all, um, you you did play with a lot of really good players. Who was the toughest player that you had to play against in practice on Wake Forest? And what is the your favorite game overall, whether or not you played in it, that you were involved in while at Wake Forest as a Demon Deacon? Um, toughest player is a tough one. I would say probably the when I was there, the guy that was always either torching people and pick up or just hard to guard was Jeff Teague. Now, luckily I didn't have to guard him very much. He could go by anybody. Um, as far as the guys I guarded more like, you know, I love going against James. He's big, strong, you know, can shoot, can dribble. So we would battle, you know, he's, he's obviously a, a handful, but it's, you know, he's fun to play against and he's obviously a great player and he's doing very well in the NBA. So, I mean, those guys were great, um, but, yeah, there's a lot of them. <laughs> and then uh, yeah. my, my favorite game, uh, without question, was my junior year uh, when we beat Duke at home. Um, it was ACC Sunday Night Hoops. I think they came in ranked number two in the country. And that was – I mean, we essentially blew the doors off and beat them by 13. And, you know, that was, that was the year after Coach P. And for me, that was my junior year. My freshman and sophomore year, we didn't beat Duke or North Carolina. So, finally beat Duke. It was kind of, it was kind of like our Coach P game. Like that was our signature win for that season for him. Um, you know, got a big court, uh, legit court storming, awesome win. Finally beat them, and really, yeah, just a special night. Yeah, that's awesome to hear. I remember that vividly. It was a fantastic game, and I think that was the game that kind of pushed us a little bit towards the, hey, we're going to be good again. We're okay. This is fine. We we got the first – I think we were the first game on Sports Center. We got the court storming, and uh, it kind of – Obviously, didn't wrap everything up with regards to Coach Prosser, but it was the first time. It's like, hey, we we can do this. This is we're moving forward. So, um, Bobby, we really really appreciate you coming on the show and taking time out of your Sunday to do this. Um, I I hope you had a good time here, and you're, you're welcome back at any time. Uh, congratulations on your wedding. Thank you very much. Uh, thanks for having me on. This is a blast. I appreciate it. Awesome. And uh, for everybody out there who is social media savvy, they can follow Bobby Hoekstra at, at BHO52. And uh, he has a pretty a lot of good clips on there. He's a Cleveland Indians fan. He does tweet a lot about that. But uh, if you like baseball, you like Wake Sports, then uh, he, he's a great guy to follow. So appreciate uh, you being on here, and we'll, we'll welcome you back anytime. Yeah, happy to be back whenever you want me. So uh, appreciate it. And as always, go Deeks. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. Well, that was uh, Bobby Hoekstra, and I thought that was a that was a pretty pretty good interview there. I was uh, I was very impressed with his answers as well as the insight that he uh, he provided there. What what were your thoughts on uh, some of his stories there, Rob? Yeah, I thought he had some great insight, and I appreciate you you leading the discussion. Uh, For those who may not know, Riley, lifelong Wake Forest fan since. Uh, being more being born in, in 1990, and myself, I didn't really become a Wake Forest fan until uh, enrolling in the fall of 2008. So overlap with with Bobby some there, but really, um, I I can't provide the the justice that you guys can reflecting back on the late great Skip Prosser. So I, I appreciate you leading that discussion, and yeah, I, th- I thought Bobby was was excellent. I thought he had some some neat stories about you know playing in practice and and what Skip meant, and um, you know especially getting into the actual timing uh, of the death and, and how the group sort of, you know, joined together and recovered and, and going into to the Gaudio area and how some players were actively campaigning 
um, going into to Ron Wellman's office and, and advocating for that. So I thought, you know, it was it was a really good interview, really good insight. Um, and, you know, I'm thrilled that you reached out to him and, and he was able to come on and, and provide such great answers for, for our listeners and, and for us. Yeah, I think it's always good to get insight from the players themselves, whether it's uh, current players, former players, but it, it it's a unique experience to be a student athlete at Wake Forest. And these guys who've walked it and lived it know it much better than we do. Um, we were just students there. And quite frankly, I can't imagine, and I know the time they put in, but Wake Forest is hard enough as a school, just the academic side of it. When you consider that he majored in finance, he was a walk-on, he uh, just spent all the time on the road with the basketball team and in practice. It, it's astounding what – these guys can do and I mean even if the walk on out and say that as like a slight that it's even more impressive quite frankly because he's doing it out of the love for Wake Forest and the love for basketball and that that's that's something hard that's hard to duplicate and uh it it does teach you things that you use for the rest of your life and uh I know that's that's probably the the general gist of what uh coach Prosser taught him you know this is how you live life you 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 take it head on and there's going to be there's going to be problems there's going to be troubles there's going to be valleys but how you respond to that is uh pretty much indicates how you'll you'll handle things as a human being moving forward in your life so we really appreciate having him on and uh I thought he gave some really good answers especially about the Ken Palm stuff and that's something that I will use continually moving forward when I get uh, met with, uh, oh, you know, they don't care about that. It's the eye test. It's all that stuff. It's like, nah, these guys in the locker room, the first thing they wanted to see was the advanced stats. And this was back in 2007, 2008, 2009. So, I mean, if they're using it back then, then I think that should shut down anybody that doesn't use it now. Um, so I, I, was, I was thrilled to hear that, obviously. So I will uh, I'll store that in uh, the, a lot of articles moving forward. But, um, yeah, we're going to try to have some more guys on moving forward, especially since uh, we have the recruiting podcast as well. Um, we get get some guys who are either on the Wake Forest staff or just graduated or maybe even some current players if they can uh, carve out some time. I think that's a good uh, – would be a good addition to our podcast, and we're going to continue to try to bring that to you guys. Um, so let, let's go ahead and make a shift to football. So we did a lot of talking about basketball. Obviously, it is – the second sport coming up in the fall. Um, football is first, and uh, we have some news because practices started this week, uh, but Les John has been on top of that. So if you are interested in that, to echo what uh, Rob said earlier, you, he's a must-follow on Twitter, and uh, you should follow him and read all of his articles. Um, the biggest news that came out is that cornerback Deontay Austin is taking a leave of absence. Uh, and so that's already a position that is not – it's very fluid as to who's going to be there. Rob, what, what's the latest on the cornerback uh, situation as, as you see it? Yes, definitely, definitely going to be tough. Um, you know, we, I, I don't think we have a lot of great depth there. Uh, thank goodness we got Cedric Giles to, to become a grad transfer from Mississippi State, former starter there. I think that could be a big-time addition for us. And then behind him, we're looking at guys like Amari Henderson, Hassan Bassey. And then, and then, you know, potentially some, some true freshmen in a Troy Simon or a Tyreek Hardeman, who were both highly regarded. Uh, Hardeman, a former Cal commit. Simon had an offer from Notre Dame. So, you know, I, th- I think those are guys who could come in and play right away. And, and corner is a position where it's, it's mostly about athleticism and, and, and instincts. So you can play even if you're a little bit underdeveloped physically. So I, I think the issue there is we're just not going to have a heck of a lot of depth. Uh, Deontay Austin – wasn't as good last year. I mean, I think uh, Amari Henderson started to earn more of the playing time, but still he could have competed for a starting role, certainly in the two deep. So uh, definitely an unfortunate loss, but I, I know he's dealing with um, apparently leaving for personal reasons. So certainly wish him nothing but the best and, and hoping to figure things out and be able to return uh, strong to Wake Forest. Yeah, and it seems like over the last two two to three years, we've had more personal – leaving the team for personal reasons, and that obviously can fall under a litany of uh, – actual things that are occurring. I know Stephen Claude had some, uh, I think, an illness of a family member. Uh, Zeke Rodney had whatever was going on in his, in his life personally where they both either left the team or missed the year. But they're all, they've all come back so far, so it'll be interesting to see if Austin rejoins the team. And this kind of segues into the next one. Uh, Zeke Rodney it has returned to the team, and he is practicing. So that, that's big news. I know that came out probably a few weeks ago, but um, until they take the field, that's, uh, that's big. And quite frankly, between now and the start 
start of the regular season, that nothing good is going to happen. We're either going to have – not we, the football team, any football team, is going to have injuries. There's going to be people that get into trouble while they're on campus. And it's just – it's a time where you have to survive in advance and just tread water until the first game of the season because nothing good happens now. So um, of note that is interesting, I thought, because I have heard nothing about this, we actually landed another grad transfer, Dion Young, out of northern Arizona. He should provide a little bit of depth to the defensive tackle position. Rob, did you have any idea who this guy was or where he came from or what's, what our expectations are for him this year? Uh, I knew about who he was after I read your article. That That's when I figured out <laughs> who he was. Um, Correct answer. So, 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 Pay raise. Um, uh, so, no, I, I hadn't heard of him, but, I, you know, you can never have enough depth at – at, on the defensive line, offensive, you can never have enough depth, period, but especially on the defensive line. Um, so, look, he had 20 tackles last year, five and a half tackles for loss, three and a half sacks. Not overwhelming numbers, um, but I will say defensive tackles, one of those positions where it's sort of tough to accumulate stats. You could have a big impact blowing up plays. Not saying he was necessarily doing that, but again, it's it's much better than an open scholarship spot. He'll be able to provide depth, um, you know, in case somebody like a Zeke Rodney does get hurt, help spell him for a little bit. So I think he can be, you know, a good uh, – he can be a rotation player for us. Um, and I, th- I think that's that's what you're looking for. And fortunately, we've gotten to the point where, um, you know, we, we have some good depth on the defensive line. I mean, what were your thoughts in, in looking at his highlights and, and, and writing the article? Yeah, I think he, he... – it's interesting, and I'll bring up two things here. One, did we had we contacted him before we knew that Zeke Rodney was coming back? Did we have this lined up? Has he been at summer school? These are things I legitimately don't know, and I'm sure um, you know we could probably do a little bit of investigating and figure that out. But it, the timing would be interesting. I don't know if Clawson lined him up because he didn't know if Rodney was coming back, um, and now we just have the, the extra cushion there, which is obviously very good. But Dave Clawson is also known for rotating in and out a lot on the defensive line. So uh, with the loss of Chris Stewart uh, and getting Rodney back, Young is, could be a very good player to have in there who gets uh, maybe 20%, 25% of snaps if everybody's healthy. Um, and I think it was clear he wanted to have at least four to five guys at that defensive tackle position that, that could go at any given time. Um, it seems like we've been bitten by the injury bug and also just the personal reasons leaving team bug a lot lately, uh, especially on the D line. So I think he wanted to make sure that we had that, that there, but I, I think he, his stats don't, aren't mind blowing, especially in the big sky who, uh, if you don't know, they're in the football championship subdivision. They're a decent team. It's a decent league for, for that division, but it's obviously not ACC football and, uh, Wake plays in the Atlantic division, which is one of the toughest in the country. Uh, I think he will be, efficient in the time that he gets here. I don't know that we want him to be the starter and getting all the minutes, um, all the snaps, obviously, but just based on the guys that we have on the roster. But I think he is a good addition to the team, uh, and it should help out a little bit with the uh, subbing in and out. Um, other than that, it, it sounded like so far, and these are always, you know, it, it's, it's practice, it's early on, but uh, Kendall Hinton has looked very, very good at quarterback position. Uh, we've heard a lot of good reports on that. And uh, obviously, Wolford can throw a ball in a trash can from 50 yards away. And, uh, you hey, know, that, hey, that why translates Why practice and throwing out of bounds? You know? <laughs> yeah. That, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't know. It, it's. Hey. No, I know it's Russell. Maybe Russell Wilson is his uh, quarterback coach. You never know. You want to get as far away as possible from the, the playing field. So, yeah, exactly. So it's not not quite Russell Wilson yet. But it, it sounds like Hinton is probably going to be the guy there. But as Clawson mentioned, we've had a lot of injuries at the quarterback position. So uh, odds are at some point there uh, Hinton will miss some snaps, and uh, we need a guy like Wolford to come in and uh, and play some good solid football like he did in the bowl game last year because we don't win that bowl game without without Wolford and uh whether or not you like him as a player or not you got to give him credit for just standing in there and take the beating that he's taken over the past few years that's been almost unprecedented from from what I've seen so um you can talk about his arm you can talk about being too short but uh, you can't really can't really fault what he what he's done for Wake Forest what he's tried to do and taking those hits so um kudos to him and hopefully he gets he gets some time to shine this year uh even if Hinton uh, has a fantastic year which we all hope he does uh not to step too much on the uh, BSD 
uh, recruit podcast at all, but we actually had a pretty exciting recruiting week. So we're going to talk a little bit about that in the time that we have left here. Um, as always, I am Riley Johnson, joined by Robert Reinhardt, uh, co-host here. We had Bobby Hoekstra on a little earlier, and uh, it was a great interview, and we, we need to do more stuff like that. But moving into the recruiting, we landed a couple of big guys this week. Uh, starting off, we talked with Devontae Gordon last week. He signed right or committed to us right before the podcast, we kind of touched on him. Shortly after that, uh, we actually landed a 2019 quarterback who is rated a 72nd in the country. Rob, do you have any insight on that? Because that seems really, really good. Yeah, Not an uh, I, I wish <laughs> I, that that does seem good. And I believe I remember you looking him up on 247. He's rated about three spots uh, overall ahead of a, a Bama <laughs> commit. So you know you're doing well when you're getting recruits. We continue to crush Alabama at the recruiting game, obviously. Well, at least 12 months from signing day, we, or, uh, you know, we, we did. The, That's we, fine. We, you know, we do pretty well. But uh, they they closed the gap a little bit come the first Wednesday in February, unfortunately. But, no, this is this is really nice. You know, uh, fourth-best pro-style quarterback in the class of 2019, obviously, were <laughs> – you know, Fran Fraschilla, we're two years away from Duke, from being two years away uh, with some of these <laughs> yep. guys. Could, couldn't sign for another 18 months. And then, you know, maybe you're looking at playing as a redshirt freshman or something like that. You never know. So it's it's always a long way out with, with some of these uh, f- football guys. But, you know, really really good pedigree, um, good size, could, could still get bigger. Uh, I was impressed by some of the sophomore film that I saw. Uh, and had some really good write-ups from a number of the the analysts uh, over at Scout. So, you you know, I think this is definitely an encouraging sign. If you get a good quarterback to come in, obviously it can be great for the program. Um, And then, you know, if you're another 2019 recruit, you look at the quarterback a school has committed. If you're a a talented receiver or running back, uh, you want to go in and you want to play with them. So I think we we can help build on this since we can help get some early momentum for that class. Yeah, and that, that's uh, that's the biggest thing here. And just a little bit of a uh, background on this, I believe you can look at uh, 24/7 Sports when you go into it, and it's still early assessing the 2019 class. Um, he he had one scout. Um, take a look at him, and he ranked him very, very highly. I believe it was a rivaled guy, so he will get a few more uh, reviews, and I'm not trying to be a negative Nancy, but he, he probably won't maintain his top 100 rating, which I don't really care about. You know, he's a good quarterback. We we got on him early. We want him to come here, but the thing that I saw that was, was really big is that he was kind of uh, targeted as, as a linchpin for a class, like a guy you want to get in early, a guy that will really rep the school that he wants to go to, and he'll get guys to come in. He's somebody that people want to play with, so the big thing now is obviously going to be on the staff to, I guess, uh, fight off the, the big-name schools that are going to come after him because if he maintains this four-star or even high three-star status, I mean, big schools are going to come calling. It's just a matter of time. So we've we got to make it a year and a half unless they move up the signing day uh, for, for next year. Uh, we got to make it to February of, uh, what, 2018, right? So we got a while here, but uh, we hopefully we get there. and. Uh, 19, sorry. So, yeah, we got we got a year and six months to hold on to this this guy, and uh, that, this is going to be a testament to uh, Coach Clawson and if they can if they can if they can fight off the big boys because this could be this could be a big a big signing if we get him in here uh, in, in February. And, and at this point, you, you may almost want to just say he, he he appears to be a smart kid. He talks about academics a lot. Can you come in early? Can you gray shirt? Can we get you in here earlier than what uh, what other schools want to do? Uh, we we've been kind of hovering under the scholarship uh, amount for the last few years, so maybe that's a thing that we want to use a, as a weapon. Um, so we'll see on that. We still got a couple of years, but that's a big get. Um, it came out last night that we landed another big big player, and this one is action for the class of 2018 in cornerback Kenneth Dix. And, and this guy appears by all accounts and uh, well. He showed it. He demonstrated it against the top 160 other players in his class that, that he is a physical specimen. Uh, lots of Power Five offers, but he actually got he was the second highest Spark score, which is basically a, uh, a rating of how freakishly athletic you are of the t- entire 2018 class. Rob, what what do you think about Kenneth Dick? Does he have immediate playing time potential written over him? Uh, he's got great film. What did you see? Yeah, I, I saw it, a definitely an impressive player and an athlete, and we just talked about 
uh, the cornerback position. So, and maybe some question marks we'll have there this year, and then maybe moving forward. So, he, he's a guy who who could come in next year, assuming we can we can keep him committed and get him signed. Um, that that could have a, a strong impact for his first team, uh, all state in Class Seven A in Georgia. So that's unbelievably impressive. A a host of of offers from some very good programs, as you mentioned, an incredible athlete. I saw a ball hawk. So um, I. I Really hope we're able to hold on to this guy. This is a big-time commitment for us at one of the most important positions uh, in all of football, especially with as uh, as passing continues to be very prevalent in the college game. So I'm very excited about this commitment and uh, definitely hope that we can hold on to him. Yeah, and what I saw just based on obviously the highlight film is just that. It's the, it's the great plays, and they very rarely put out a low-light film, uh, and that's why it's important to kind of go to games and see where they get beat. But he, he has immense closing speed and getting and breaking up passes. What I saw was he, he gave a lot of cushion. He faded back a little bit. But even on, like, in routes and slants, he had – incredible speed at getting to the ball and breaking it up. Now, some of that might be competition, but he plays in, I believe, the 7A, which is the highest Georgia class, if I'm not mistaken, and if not the highest, it's on up there. So yes. he he really stuck out to me with the speed, and that, that that's huge for a cornerback, especially a guy who's 200 pounds and can run a 4-5-1 as a, what, 16-, 17-year-old. That, that's incredible. So – uh, we'll, we'll see. We, we, we're gonna, he's a guy we're going to have to fight off to, and hopefully we'll get him in uh, to sign on the dotted line in February. But uh, once again, Dave Clawson and the staff are doing an incredible job at Wake Forest. Uh, I, this past week was probably the most successful recruiting week in football in Wake Forest history. Uh, I, we've had, I believe, four or five four-stars commit in the entirety of Wake Forest history. We got two four-stars and a fringe four-star who very well could be a four-star by the time he actually signed on the dotted line to, to commit this week. That, that's, what does that say about Wake Forest and what Dave Clawson's doing, Rob? Well, I think it says a lot about what Dave Clawson's, Dave Clawson's doing, certainly with, with what he's accomplished during his, his three years at Wake Forest uh, and what he's accomplished in his previous stops. But I think it also says a lot about the athletic program and um, you know, guys like Bob McCreary and Ben Sutton and well, Mitch Shaw on the basketball side who've, who've really made such a significant commitment to, to improve our facilities. We have the indoor facility um, and are in the process of, you know, revamping the, the entire athletic facility to have, you know, state-of-the-art offices and, um, uh, you know, study areas and, and uh, you know, weight weightlifting areas so that, Yes, our, our facilities still aren't going to be the level of Florida State or Clemson, uh, but, but we're closing the gap and, and we're getting it to the point where uh, facilities are not a reason are, are you know not a reason not to come to Wake Forest and they can actually be a reason for coming to Wake Forest in addition to uh, all the other great things that the school offers. So I think um, you know Colossum combined with, with uh, a lot of money coming in behind them is, is really helping. Um, improve the program and improve our recruiting efforts, which is only going to get cyclical and help build on itself. So I, I'm very excited for the future of our football program. Yeah, I think this uh, just seeing seeing the guys that we're going up, the teams that we're going up against for these guys is really exciting. And I've always been a firm believer in you know the the ranks by offers. And uh, you know if if you got 30 offers from P5 teams and you're going against Louisville, you're going against Georgia Tech, you're going against uh, Virginia Tech, those kind of teams who are probably the next team up below the uh, Florida State, Clemson type national tiers. If you're going up and you're beating those guys, then on occasion that's what you want to do. So in addition to making sure you always beat, or most of the time you beat Charlotte, App State, ECU for a recruit as a P5 team, you, you want to you know frequently beat the Dukes, the NC State teams that are right you know, maybe slightly below, slightly above our level. But if we can start taking some from the Georgia Tech, the Louisville's, the uh, Miami, Virginia Tech, that that's when you start moving up and you, you turn these uh, bowl game every three to four years into bowl games every year, every other year. That's how you build a program. And, and Dave Clawson is doing just that. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how we, how we uh, finish out 2018. We got a lot of time left for recruiting. But uh, as of right now, the staff is doing an incredible job. We're top 50 nationally which is saying a lot as Wake Forest and we're 11th in the ACC which as we've gone on about is also very very good given the level of competition um Rob this has been a pretty uh action-packed hour here I I believe we had a pretty good time with Bobby Hoekstra who covered the Dinos news and uh you got anything else before we go we got a couple minutes left but uh I think we can call it a day of 58 minutes if uh unless you got something else here 
Uh, I'll be uh, going on a, a uh, football podcast tonight, talk about Wake Forest, Wake Forest season coming up. I'll, I'll be sure to retweet that out. And another thing, I, I don't know if we mentioned it, but, you know, Bobby H., I saw he averaged 15 and 11 during his, during his senior year for Safe Country Day. So uh, only six yeah. points during his, his uh, Wake Forest career. But, you know, those walk-ons are, are still good players. Those guys would, you know, tear up. All, all the intramural leagues for sure. So, um, you know, wanted to give him a little little pub there and say, you know, he, he put up some, some nice numbers uh, when, when he was playing uh, his prep days. Yeah, and, and by no – I might we might have come off a little bit. It's, oh, you're a walk-on, you know. What was it like going up against these guys? But by no means was <laughs> – a basketball scrub. He's very, very good. 15 and 11 in any league in high school is very good. And he's basketball captain, and he made the Wake Forest team. You could argue that some of those teams that Bobby Hoekstra was on as a walk-on were some of the most talented uh, in Wake Forest oh, history. Yeah. There are a lot of good players, a lot of NBA players there. So, we, once again, we really appreciate having Bobby on. Hope everything goes well the next few weeks. And uh, he, he's a guy we'll have to hopefully get in uh, on occasion to talk and break down some Wake basketball once we're actually uh, playing some games instead of just talking about it. So, um, Rob, I hope you got moved in all right, and uh, I hope you have a really good week. But uh, we'll, we'll keep churning along, and we'll be back next week at 630 to try to do it again and do it better. So uh, we appreciate all, all you guys listening. And uh, as always, go Deeks. Go Deeks. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.